The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So first, I want to send greetings from your friends at New Hope CRC. Um, as, as many of you know, New Hope uh, was founded as a, as a church plant or daughter church, a first Christian Reformed church in uh, the late kind of 2000s, 2008 or 9. Um, and we continue uh, to live out uh, the calling by the, that she sent us out in to offer New Hope to uh, East Hamilton. I think like you, our New Hope continues to navigate our exit to the pandemic um, and, uh, and, and figure out what worship looks like uh, following this kind of major disruption. Um, we have a few families expecting children, um, which we're thrilled about. Um, and this fall, we're hosting an internship for, uh, for other Christian or four members to, uh, to serve with us for a semester. And I understand Hayden's passed on information about that to, uh, to all of you. I'd like to start by sharing for just a few minutes what worship at New Hope looks like. So we seek to, to shape our worship services in a way that, that meet the sometimes complex needs of, uh, of those in our community. So some of what's distinct about New Hope services is that we have coffee before the service to, uh, to welcome people in. We have round tables uh, where folks in, uh, to encourage conversation and often have breakout rooms in the middle of a service. And, uh, and every week we sing happy birthday. So it's a fun tradition. So especially if it's your birthday in a week ahead, we want to invite you to come to New Hope and, uh, and worship with us for a visit. This morning, I'm going to talk about blessing, reprising a message I spoke there a couple of months ago. So as Christians, we speak about blessing all the time. God bless you is a standard response to a sad story, to someone who sneezes, and sometimes at the end of an email. We use this word often in our, in our vocabulary. Of course, blessing is at the center of the Christian story. Starting in Genesis chapter 1, where God blessed the animals, moving forward to Genesis 12, where God speaks to Abraham and blesses him to be a blessing. God's blessing is central to the Christian story. And yet, as 21st century folks, as Western materialists, we struggle with the concept of blessing, of God's intervening work in ways that we don't quite understand. The water that we swim in is water of cause and effect. We're often taught to believe that it's sticks and stones that break bones, that proof is in the pudding. And in our prayers, we're just as likely to pray often for the hands of the doctors as we are 
for miraculous healing. So when we approach texts like ours today, the story of Jacob and Esau, it's easy to approach them with skepticism or at least a bit of awareness that they're in a very, they have a very different set of expectations than we do. So preparing for the sermon this summer, I came across a news story how in, uh, in just June of this year in Jerusalem, what's believed to be the oldest fragment of writing ever found in the city was discovered. So it's a stone tablet about 3,700 years old. So actually very conveniently for this sermon, give or take a century, we're talking about the time and the place approximately of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the words on this tablet written over top of a Canaanite temple, they were a curse. A fairly simple curse. It said, cursed, cursed, you will die. Governor of the city, you will surely die. So we're familiar with people not liking political leaders. But this is more than an ancient equivalent to the F. Trudeau flag. <laughs> The belief of this world is that, of this worldview, is that the intent and the etching of these words in stone might actually affect the physical world. And this, of course, betrays our sensibilities, right? This betrays our sensibilities, but actually is maybe closer to the Bible's worldview than the Western materialism that we live in today. So holding these ideas in tension, let's dive into this passage. First, we'll talk a bit about the typology. The, the, the typology, kind of the structure of this text, demonstrates that it's about blessing and follows a pattern that's familiar to readers of the book of Genesis. So let me ask you, where else do we have a story of two brothers? One slightly older than the other. One who's a hunter, the other not as much. The other guy, the one guy who's devoted and blessed. And the other who's half-hearted and responds with violence. You can say it out loud if you know it. Cain and Abel, exactly. Early readers know right away that the story of Jacob and Esau is a model or a repeating, a, rep a repetition in some ways of the story of Cain and Abel. And like that story of Cain and Abel, we have themes of acceptance and rejection, themes of blessing and cursing, and we see God's blessing going to the one who seeks God with a whole heart. Another thing that struck me about this text as I studied it is this idea of permanency in a blessing. Uh, in the text it said, when Isaac realized that the blessing went to Jacob, it says he trembled 
violently. But again, in a way that betrays our sensibilities, as troubled as he was, Esau knew he couldn't change what had happened. Esau's wailing, Isaac's concern, couldn't change things, couldn't change plans, even from Jacob's dishonest trick. God's blessing in this story is tangible. So what can we learn from this story? First thing I could share is that hunger from God is a gift. And in this surprising story full of deceit and dishonesty, it's hunger for God that gets rewarded. For many folks for whom uh, many folks who aren't able to access daily bread with the same ease that many of us are, a hunger for God the provider is a normal state for many to make ends meet. When daily bread is hard to come by, there's a tendency to seek God with a hunger. And Jacob was hungry. He was desperate. He wasn't actually a very good guy. He's not held up as a model in this story. And there's this wonderful irony that later on in the, in the narrative, he was in turn deceived by his uncle Laban later in life and fed some of his own medicine. However, Jacob was relentless in seeking God's blessing. He was hungry for more of God's presence and power and called to seek after. He was scrappy, right? So as we gather this morning, many of us that maybe for whom our day, receiving our daily bread wasn't a struggle, I pray that God would give us a deeper hunger like Jacob to see God's heart, to learn about God's word, to teach our kids what it means to follow Christ and to experience more of the joy and freedom from sadness and sickness that Jesus gives. See, growing up, I was taught to be a little bit cautious of stories like Jacob, to seek God's blessing in a way where material success was kind of intermingled with God. Instead of this, this gaudy prosperity gospel, which I grew up looking at as something other, I felt like I was taught this kind of middle-class Job, Jobish stoicism who says, you know, shall we accept good from God and not evil? And of course, there's beauty there to accept good news and bad news with equal, equal faith. But we can learn this kind of resilience and relentlessness of seeking God from Jacob. Secondly, we can learn, maybe as a cautionary tale, from Esau about the pain of living outside of God's blessing on our life. You may remember in the narrative the earlier story of Esau trading away his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. And it's really only here in this story that Esau realizes the implications of what's happened. 
he saw the natural conclusions that started out of him trading his birthright for a bowl of soup unfolding here into where his blessing was stolen. And guys, I love lentil soup. It is a good thing. And yet, as we grow in faith, there is a sensitivity to understand that there are good things, like wholesome bowls of soup, but that not all good things are good for us all the time. Many of us have had experiences of jobs or relationships, of major purchases that felt that could have been good or, or, or nice or important, but you may have had that sense that it wasn't really the right thing for you at that time. Of course, we take risks and learn from mistakes. But, but we remember that the only good things from, sorry, that nothing good comes from pursuing things that God has not blessed us with. So in that word, we can be discerning to have a hunger not only for all good things, but a hunger for that in which God has blessed us with. A third point. The Bible is clear about how his faith, how God's faithfulness endures from generation to generation. However, sometimes in our culture of individuality, it can be hard to imagine how the blessing of a creator spans across generations. But maybe, just as we've learned how trauma can impact DNA and get passed on from parents to children. This story presents a worldview of blessing that passes across generation to generation. I'll confess, this is a growing edge here in my spiritual understanding, God's faithfulness across generations. But I do take seriously that I am who I am in part because my 92-year-old grandparents and my parents pray for me most every day. So I want to encourage you, as you intercede for and bless your kids, that God's presence from generation to generation will follow them. Second, there is power in the words and actions of the blessings that we give. Some of you might remember the passage in Romans chapter 12, uh, which quotes Proverbs 25 that says, If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat, and you will heap burning coals on his head. I gotta confess, that one never made that much sense to me. Um, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat, and you will heap burning coals on his head. However, a couple of months ago, I was in Israel, and I learned some context about that passage that was so lovely and illuminating. See, in a world without matches, folks needed to find ways to light a fire that were better than rubbing two sticks together. So, 
After a fire, the coals of the densest wood, often uh, acacia wood, would be gathered up into these small metal bowls. And in these bowls, there'd be maybe a couple of air holes uh, for intake and a couple of air holes for smoke to come out. And these coals would be gathered in these tiny metal containers. And people could carry these coals uh, from a, a fire that's just ending, and they would last sometimes for three, four, five days and bring them to the next place that would be stopped. They'd bring these coals to a new pile of dead wood. And by heaping coals on that fire, it brings it back to life. The analogy is, is clear here. Your enemy, somebody disliked, can be brought back to life to reconciliation from a blessing. A blessing is a word that creates the reality that it desires. Good words are like coals, new coals put onto a fire to light something new. I told you at the beginning of our message that every week at New Hope, we sing happy birthday. And I have to be honest, I did not understand it, and I didn't quite like it for the first eight months of being there. However, happy birthday is a funny song. Because when you wish someone a happy birthday, and that person loves getting sung to, happy birthday creates the very conditions that it hopes for. It's a blessing. It's both a wish on somebody that creates the very conditions of the wish that it wishes. It is a blessing. And that, my friends, is the kind of life we are called to live. Speaking out God's words of blessing to others, and in so doing, fulfilling those words of blessings that we wish on others. Now, of course, we live in a different world than the world of Jacob and Esau, where blessings seem to be stretched out and limited uh, from some. Through Christ, though, Ephesians 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Unlike the limitations in our story, through Christ we have been blessed in the heavenly realms. And it is my hope and prayer that in the full knowledge of this gift, we will go from here with relentless courage to offer this blessing to a hurting world. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for all that you have blessed us with. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, 
the words we choose and the actions we take would be ones that, that bless others, that light new fires of possibility in a world where people don't know your name. And this we ask by your Holy Spirit. Amen.